So happy New Year's. Happy New Year. He is my friend. I want to open this up with a prayer. Um, and this prayer is actually from Ephesians chapter 1. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before you made the world, Father, you loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in your eyes. You decided in advance to adopt us into your own family by bringing us to you through Jesus Christ. This is what you wanted to do, and it gave you great pleasure. So we praise you, God, for the glorious grace you poured out on us who belong to your dear son. You are so rich in kindness and grace that you purchased our freedom with the blood of your son and forgave our sins. You have showered your kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. So thank you, Father. Thank you for being our God and allowing us to be your people. Thank you for your grace, your peace, and your mercy. Thank you for this wonderful day and for the health and strength to be in your service. Please be in the midst of us here today to lead and guide this service. Show us, instill in us, what you want us to digest from this message today and then feel this servant of yours to deliver only the words you would have me to say. Amen. Not my words, but yours, Father. And Father, be with all your servants from this ministry that are traveling this weekend, including our pastor, Lois Tyler, and her husband, Mac. Please keep them safe, healthy, and secure. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This message today is entitled, It's a New Day. Amen. And there's a second part of this, and it's entitled, And It's Time for Us to Let Our Light Shine Through the Darkness. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So out with the old and in with the new. We've all heard that cliche before, haven't we? So as we transition from this year to the next, we find ourselves anticipating what the new year might bring. We pray for a fresh start, and we pray for the elimination of sorrows. We pray for renewed strength and great health. We pray for humanity to stop tearing itself apart. We pray for COVID-19 to somehow just go away. We pray for goodwill and good fortune. We pray for weight loss or great gain, depending on your need. We pray that we can rid ourselves of the bad habits that continue to make our lives so unpleasant. Then we realize these are the same things we prayed for 365 days ago. Amen. So out with the old and in with the new. 
That's what we say. But how do we do it? How do we move forward into this new day? How do we move forward into this new year? How do we move forward in hope? The answer is we can't. We can't move anywhere or do anything without the love and grace of God. Amen. So the first thing we must do is acknowledge and accept that our moving forward it only, is only possible because of God's grace. Amen. And because his love is everlasting and ever-present, amen? amen? We must also realize that we have more to do. And that's why he's allowed us to still be here. Amen. And that's why he sent his son to be sacrificed for our mess. To be sacrificed for our destructive sin. And to give us an opportunity for eternal life. That's what he wanted to do. And that's what he did. Amen. Amen. He gave us his light so we could come out of this darkness. That's love. So Lord, enable us to understand, experience, and appreciate your love and all the great gifts you've provided that allow us to enter this new year with your peace, your love, your hope, and your light. And help us to move forward with great insight and help. It's a new day, and there should be light shining in the midst of this darkness, coming from all who believe in Christ Jesus. Amen. And for those who can't say, oh, amen, to that, just say, Lord, please help my unbelief. Now, I'm not a prophet, nor am I trying to act like one today. But I do believe that in all this COVID-19 excitement, God's trying to get our attention and lead us to the light so we can enter a new day in a righteous way. Amen. Scripture says Jesus is the light. He is the true light that gives light to everyone coming into this world. So it is his light and ours too that I want to focus on today. But not just yet. I'll come back to that. This message is titled, It's a New Day. And for most of you, that title doesn't mean what you think it means. The title is a metaphor. It says, it's a new day. Not just any day. And not just another day. But a new day. It's not the day after yesterday nor is it business as usual. It's a new day. It's not suggesting a new year, but it's a new day. When God does something to permanently change you or your circumstances, whether it's your lifestyle, your belief system, or your behavior, it's a new day. So if you've been changed, it's a new day. And you need to tell somebody because it's a new day.
Amen. Amen. Jesus healed 10 lepers, but only one of them came back to say thanks. For that leper, it's a new day. When we stop arguing about the small stuff and start worshiping God, it's a new day. Paul and Silas were worshiping God while they were in prison. And the chains fell off and the prison doors opened. That's a new day. Have you ever started off traveling east, but God took you west? That's a new day. I lived in Detroit all my life until 1979. Life was good. I had a good job, nice house, had a nice wife, still do. I was partying nightly, playing cards, smoking marijuana, drinking with friends, not really thinking about tomorrow. My plan was doing what I was doing today. I was hanging around people that had no real plans nor were they going anywhere or doing anything with any substance. Yep. I was naive and feeling good about it. My boss asked me if I would consider taking a job in Cincinnati to help start up a new transmission plant there. My initial thought was, no. Life in my mind was too good to change. I didn't recognize that a change was even needed. I had never lived outside of Detroit before, nor was I interested in doing so. But when I told my wife about my boss's request, she said, why not? Long story short, we moved to Cincinnati. I stopped the partying, and we both found Christ. Had we stayed in Detroit, I'm not sure where we'd be or if my family structure and belief system we have today would bear any resemblance to what manifested in Ohio. So for me, that was a new day. Amen. When I married my wife, who used to like to drink wine, not get high, not drink, but have a little sip of wine, when she found Christ and she found the Holy Spirit, she stopped. Now, I'm not saying that everybody's got to stop doing that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that I stopped taking a sip here and there. But when I found her, that was a new day. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8 and 9 says, His ways and thoughts are truly higher than ours. So the straight line between point A and point B is not the route God chooses for us. It's not always the route he chooses for us. So when we take the wrong route, and that route interferes with God's purpose or plan, God will probably make some changes. He did with me. Proverbs 19 and 21 tells us about God's purpose. It says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. This tells us we can make all the plans we want to in life, 
But if we don't make our plans according to the purposes for which God created us, then our plans will be in vain and they're subject to his change. Amen? I'm sure Saul thought he was in control and was implementing God's plan when he was traveling on Damascus Road. That's in Acts 9. But it wasn't God's plan, nor was it aligned with his purpose. So God made some significant changes that day. He didn't change his, his plan, but he changed Saul's plan. And he changed others too. As the story goes, Paul believed he was doing God's will by imprisoning and killing Christians. He thought that that was his calling. Scripture says in Acts that as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground. And heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Yeah, he said, Lord. Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Stay with that word, goads. So Saul said, Lord, what do you want from me? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So you know the story. Saul was blinded by God and led into the city by his companions. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink anything. And the Lord spoke to a believer in Damascus named Ananias. He told Ananias to go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. That's pretty specific, isn't it? I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. So Ananias tells the Lord about the terrible thing Saul has done to believers in Jerusalem, and that he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest anyone who calls upon your name, as if God didn't already know. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings. That's purpose. As well as to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my sakes. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Scripture says that instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. So that was a new day. For Saul, 
and a new day for Ananias as well. That was a new, that day was a new day for Paul's ministry. That day was a new beginning for Paul. It was a new day that changed the world. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't want to dwell on this too long, but I learned something as I was reading this, studying this, and I just want to share it with you. Amen. And we're going to get back because it's still a new day. <laughs> the point here is that Paul thought he was doing God's will by imprisoning and killing Christians. But that wasn't his purpose. Remember, Proverbs 19 and 21, God's purpose prevails. Amen? Amen. Paul was so far from his purpose that God had to straighten him out. God had to correct him. God had to make adjustments. God told Saul in Acts 9 and 5, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks, the goads. I told you to think about that goads, coming back to it. This is a very interesting but appropriate choice of words. Since an ox goad was a stick with a pointed piece of iron on its tip used to prod the oxen, while he was plowing. The, the farmer would prick the animal to steer it in the right direction. Sometimes the animal would rebel by kicking out the prick. But this would result in the prick being driven even further into the oxen's flesh. In essence, the more the ox rebelled, the more it suffered. So here on the road to Damascus, Jesus said to Saul, it is hard for you to kick against the pricks or the goads. It's saying Jesus took control of Paul. He let him know his rebellion against God was a losing battle. His Paul, his actions were as senseless as an ox kicking against the goads. You know, Paul had a passion. He had passion and sincerity in his fight against Christianity. But he was not heading in the direction God wanted him to go. Jesus was going to goad or steer Paul in the right direction, in the direction God wanted him to go, not his. Paul ultimately accepted God's direction and changed his ways. So for Saul, whose name was changed to Paul, it's a new day. Isaiah Chapter 46, verse 10 and 11, it says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do 
all that I please. From the east, I summon a bird of prey. From far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that will I bring about. What I have planned, that will I do. Amen. Amen. So in reality, God is just unfolding what he has himself already determined. He knows what he's going to do because he alone controls what he is going to do. And that is his pleasure. In other words, history is nothing more than unfolding of his will. Yeah, the Bible speaks of free will and the individual responsibility of man for his own actions. But it also teaches that God has the ability to overrule those actions and bring about his ultimate purpose. Amen? God gives us free will, but when we don't respond as we should, or shall I say, when our actions are in opposition to God's purpose, he will surely modify our behavior. He will get our attention. He will change our way. And he will change our day. Amen? I'm sure Joseph, the son of David, had his own thoughts and plans about what he was going to do with Mary, the mother of Jesus. Once he found out she was pregnant with a child that wasn't his. As we all know, Joseph was betrothed to be married to Mary, but found out she was pregnant. Now, he knows he, he's not been with her, so it's not his. And because it's not his, he doesn't want her to marry. He doesn't want to marry her. That makes sense to me. But he doesn't want to hurt her either. So scripture says he decides to divorce her quietly. Scripture says that. Though at the time he doesn't know that that child is Christ. And that she is pregnant by a miracle of the Holy Spirit. So God interrupts Joseph. He interrupts Joseph's plans to divorce Mary. And tells him through an angel in a dream. Not to fear taking her as his wife. And that the child is from God. So why does God do this? It's because he has a plan. He knows the end from the beginning. And when our plans aren't aligned with his, our plans will probably get altered. They will get changed. They will be realigned. In this case, plans were made for our return to God. Even before Adam ate the fruit from the tree of good and evil, Isaiah prophesied this would happen. He said, Emmanuel, God with us, will be born to a virgin. And that plan was not to be interrupted. Amen? Amen. So for Joseph, it was a new day. 
God changed Joseph's plans to ensure that God's ultimate plan, his ultimate purpose, would be achieved. Amen? Scriptures such as Isaiah 46, 10 through 11, tell us that this is so. My purpose will stand. And the Bible has shown us this time and time again. We just saw examples of that in Saul and Joseph too. So it's a new day for all who have plans and think they're in control of those plans. Amen. Even though Jesus commissioned his disciples, he gave them direction as to what he wanted them to do once he was gone. I'm sure that after his death, they were confused about where and what they were going to do next. But guess what? There was no doubt, there was no thought or doubt once that Holy Spirit came into that upper room, they found a new day. They found a new way, a new light to shine through the darkness. Amen? Amen. And that leads me to the last part of today's message. Thus far, the focus of this message has been on the metaphor, it's a new day. But you may recall that at the beginning of this message, I told you that I believe God was trying to get our attention and lead us to the light so we could enter a new day in a righteous way. You remember that, don't you? I said that Jesus is that light and that we would focus on that light a little later. Well, that later is now. Let's talk about the light and how that light affects our new day and the darkness that continues to prevail in this world. Let's begin the discussion from the book of John. John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. Amen. So Jesus came to give us light. He came to lift us, lift us out of the darkness. Isaiah's promise, prophecy promised a great light that would shine on the land of darkness and in our individual lives as well. Jesus is that light. And he personally tells us this in John chapter 8, verse 12. He says, I am. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you'll have the light that leads to light. Amen? Amen. There's another version, EXP, EXB, and it says, you will have the light 
that gives light, that gives life, the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the Apostle John tells us, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Our God went through a very intricate plan in our eyes. To him, it was just, but as I look at it, it seems very intricate to save us. He changed Joseph's mindset to accept Mary as his wife. He sent John to be a witness and to testify about the light. You remember how John was born. He sent or allowed Judas to be Trey, an innocent Jesus. He sent disciples to learn and apostles to spread the good news about that light. Amen. It's important for us to understand that spiritual light exposes the darkness in the world and in our lives too in order for us to grow and live our lives for God. Amen. Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 through 16. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But what is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled under foot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. Going back to verse 13. So if a seasoning has no flavor, it has no value. If Christians make no effort to affect the world around them, they are little value to God. If we are too much like the world, we are worthless. Christians should not blend in with everyone else. Instead, we should affect others positively just as seasoning brings out the best flavor in food. Amen? Amen. Verse 14 says, Can you hide a city that is sitting on top of a mountain? Its light at night can be seen for miles. If we live for Christ, we will glow like lights, showing others that Christ and what he is about. We'll show others what Christ is like. Amen. So today's message was titled, It's a New Day. It's a metaphor. 
It means that when God does something to permanently change you or your circumstances, whether it's your lifestyle, your belief system, or your behavior, it's a new day. So for every believer in this room, it should be a new day. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16, talks about Christians being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So, we should not hide our light by being quiet when we should speak up. Amen? We should not be going with the crowd. We should not be denying the light. We should not be letting our light be dimmed. We should not be holding back discussions to others about our light or his light. Nor should we shut off our light to the rest of the world. We should be a beacon of truth. Amen. So for every believer in this room, it should be a new day. Just as John the Baptist had a purpose and a ministry, we have a purpose and a ministry too that God has called us to do as well. Amen? Amen. So let John be our example to always exalt the light. We have the light of Christ in us, but we are not the true light. Our mission is to lead others to that light. Amen. Amen. Can you put John chapter 1, verse 6 through 9 up there? Y'all can turn to John chapter 1, verse 6 through 9. And if you don't have a Bible, I'm going to read it to you. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was Daryl. His name was Mac. His name was LaBerry. His name was Jan. His name was Barbara. Insert your name there, please. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light. But he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone coming into the world. The Great Commission wasn't just for John, nor was it for the apostles. It was for all believers. Amen. Amen. The same spirit that flowed through John and the apostles is the same spirit that flows through everyone in this room that believes. Amen? As long as we're his, that spirit is in us. It's a new day for all who have an everlasting belief in God and faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? It's a new day. It's called a salvation time. The doors of this church are open. Doors to his church are open. Hallelujah. Is there anyone would like to give their life to Christ? 
This door is open. He's knocking. You know, it's like last night. I know that all of you are saved. And I praise God for that. Amen. I can say that because I know I got my kids here. My wife's not feeling good, so she's not here. Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. Hallelujah. Amen. It's just that simple. We're not going to add anything to it or take it away. It's just that simple. Amen. So there's anyone here that wants to give their life to Christ so that he can steer you in the right direction. Amen. Oh, I got to do benediction first. I'm sorry. Mm. I got to follow directions. Well, we're going to close. Thank you, Father, for this uh, wonderful day and this opportunity. Thank you for bringing all of these saints out tonight, today. Thank you. Thank you for the word that was spoken and for being in our midst to, to uh, guide and direct us. Thank you for the worship leaders, praise and worship team. Thank you for all they do and for bringing them to us today. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Now may you leave this place, drive home in safety and security and have a fantastic new year. Amen. Amen.